Hi there. Thank you for joining us on the Redeemer Church Podcast. Here at Redeemer, we exist to see Christ exalted in our church, community, and world. It is our mission to lead people into the presence of God, devotion to His Word, authentic fellowship with others, and discovering their ministry. We hope that this podcast is just one of the ways you connect to God's presence this week. Let's check out this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to all of you who are with us online, worshiping from many different locations. I know there are many of you every week. It is good to be with you as well. Serious question. Do you all want me to dump this sermon today and instead spend 30 minutes in prayer for all of us who are struggling with allergies? I just prayed like five minutes ago and said, Lord, I just don't feel like preaching. It's so bad. Um, Is it just me? Okay, good. I mean, not good. I don't wish it on you either. Okay. We're in our series, Firm Foundation. We're examining six covenant affirmations that are really foundational to our church. And so far, we've looked at the centrality of the Word of God a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit, and last week, Pastor Dave's sermon beautifully illustrated the necessity of new birth. Today, I'm introducing the following. We affirm the church as a fellowship of believers. And you hear me say that, and you think, no, duh. Of course, that's what we are. But hang with me today and possibly learn something new. I want to take a moment up top in this message and share with you a few things that I believe the church is not or should not be, and there are probably countless, but I'm just going to walk through a few. The first one is the church is not a holy building. Our glass and tile and drywall are not divine in any way. When you come here, it's not the physical church, the facility that is divine in any way, other than perhaps the paint in our sanctuary, because the title of it is Amazing Gray. (laughs) Nothing else around here is divine. Number two, the church is not an exclusive club. Our Christian ancestors have wrestled with this throughout history. If you go read Acts chapter 15 this week, you'll find James speaking up at the council of Jerusalem, and he's saying to his friends, And the apostles, why are we making it so difficult for other people to come to faith in Christ? Can we stop making it so hard on them, right? So from the beginning until now, we can kind of act like a little club and we make it hard for people to become a part of us. We're not a club. Three, the church is not a weekly spiritual meeting. You are not here because this is a calendared event in your schedule. This is not like a soccer practice or a physical therapy. It's not something that you attend so that you can check a box and feel like you've done something spiritual. Lastly, the church is not a moral police force. And I'm going to spend a few minutes on this. You might be surprised by this, but I don't sit in my office throughout the week and worry about your behavior. I I don't. Um, My calling as one of your pastors is not to monitor your actions, thank God. My calling is to serve you. My calling is 
to love you. My calling is to lead you to a deeper abiding relationship with Jesus. But we're not a moral police force in your life, and you are not the moral police force in a secular society either. You're not. Why would we ever hold people to the same standard of Christian living that we find in Scripture, the same standard of being one that is filled with the Holy Spirit, if they're not? We want them to behave like a Christian, but they're not one. We are not their moral police just because we're a part of the church. David Kenneman conducted extensive research on how young Americans perceive the church, and he surveyed people from early teens to early 30s and shares the results in his book, which is titled Unchristian, What a New Generation Really Thinks About Christianity and Why It Matters. And these statistics are a little aged. It was released in 2007. 91% of people in that poll view the church as homophobic. 91%. 87% view the church as judgmental. 75% of those in that poll view the church as overly political, particularly every four years. 70% view the church as insensitive to others. So I'm asking, I mean, how are we doing? How are we doing as a church engaging in a secular society? Interestingly, if you ask these same people what they think about Jesus, they're intrigued by Jesus. They respect Jesus. They are open to having a spiritual life, but they don't see many Jesus followers acting much like Jesus. So if we, the church, a fellowship of believers, are not a holy building, we're not an exclusive club, we're not a weekly spiritual meeting checking the box, we're not a moral police force, for one another or our society, then what are we? Well, before we talk about what we are, let's just look a little bit for a moment and remember where we came from. Why are we here in the church, in the ecclesia, in the called out assembly of God's people? Why are we here today? Well, because Jesus promised his disciples, I will build my church. Matthew 16, 18. How many of you know Jesus keeps his promises? How many of y'all know Jesus keeps his promises? Following his resurrection, Jesus commanded his followers to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that he has commanded them. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Prior to his ascension to heaven, Jesus promised the first Christians, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, Acts 1.8, that power did come because how many of y'all know Jesus keeps his promises? That power came at Pentecost. 3,000 people received his word. They were baptized and they were added to the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, Acts 2.41 and 42. And they were awed by the miraculous power of God and shared their possessions with anyone in need. They had favor with all the people in Jerusalem, and more were added to their, their church daily, Acts 2, 43 to 47. That's the conception of the church. 
And that's why you and I are here today still engaging, participating, praying, worshiping, leaning into the ministries of God's people. But what is the church meant to be? I shared a few things that we should not be, and we've looked at where we've come from and how we got here. But what should we be? Here's an attempt at an answer to that question. The church is a community of born-again believers who confess Jesus Christ as Lord. In obedience to Scripture, we organize under qualified leadership, gather regularly for worship and the proclamation of the Word of God, and observe the biblical sacraments of baptism and communion. We are united by the Holy Spirit, disciplined for holiness, and scattered throughout our community to fulfill the great commandment and great commission as missionaries to the world for God's glory and our neighbor's good. That's what you're a part of today. That's why you are here. Okay, it's much easier said than done. So if you're taking notes today, I'm going to focus specifically on each feature of that description of the church, the fellowship of believers that I just defined. There are nine that I'm going to highlight. Dave always preaches three-point sermons. (laughs) So give me grace because I did narrow it down from like 45 things to nine. And I'm going to preach three of Dave's sermons in one. Okay, you're welcome. Just nine. Number one, we are a community of new creations. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I played golf a few weeks ago in the Oklahoma State Pro-Am Tournament. As a graduate, as a graduate from OU, too soon, as a graduate from OU, I am not afraid to tell you today that I am a fan of the University of Wait, Oklahoma State University's golf program. Not afraid to tell you that. Only the golf program. (laughs) There's just one problem um, with going to that tournament a few weeks ago. Here's a photo of my golf bag. (laughs) It's the OU one. Um. I felt really out of place all day long. I was standing on one tee box and one man yelled at me, get a new bag. (laughs) The entire day, everything was just so orange. Um, Yeah, orange. It's fine. I said earlier, how many of y'all know Jesus keeps his promises? And no one cheered like that. I'm calling you out. I talk about a golf program and you whistle. 
I even, I even bet on myself and won a box of Pro V1s. And I opened it and it had that little cowboy on it and I gave them away. <laughs> Everything was orange. However, I was there because I love the game of golf. So as I look around at everyone at that, yeah, we may cheer for different teams. We have different preferences. But at the end of the day, golf was the common denominator. As new creations, that's true for us. As believers, we may not always see eye to eye. We may not always agree. We have our differences. But the common denominator that makes us a community of new creations is our identity as Christ followers. We can be a community no matter what our differences are. We have the most, listen, listen, listen. We have the most astounding commonality that any two people could ever have. And that's the indwelling spirit of God. It's the most incredible commonality. In fact, a lot of times I'm out in the community and when I'm interacting with someone, I'll even say to them, you're a Christ follower, aren't you? And it it gets a little awkward. I don't care. I lean into awkward. I love awkward. But they look at me, I'm a, I, 100% of the time that I've asked somebody, are you a Christ follower? 100% of the time they say yes. Can just tell. We ought to be able to tell because we have that astounding commonality of the indwelling presence of God. I better keep moving. Number two, oh, I'm going to move. <laughs> we submit to qualified leadership. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Really quickly, as your senior pastor, I lead by preaching, decision-making, and my most favorite, resolving conflict and division. But I'm not your senior pastor because of any outstanding leadership qualifications. I'm here because I'm called. I also want you to know I'm submitted to our leadership team at Redeemer and then our superintendent and then the Mid-South Conference Board, and then the National Board of the Ordered Ministry, leadership structure and transparency and accountability have always been and still are today an important feature of the fellowship of believers. Three, we worship. Ephesians 5.19, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord. Ephesians 5.19. I want to take a moment and encourage your posture in worship today. Some, and this isn't just Redeemer, this is every church around the world. Some attend churches and corporate worship just to get fed. Please don't do that. Don't just come here to be fed. This is about Jesus. We're here to honor and worship and exalt the risen Lord. People who come just to get fed are consumers, also known as church hoppers. Everybody okay? Some attend just to evaluate. They only engage in worship if their preferences are met. If Leanne picks the right songs, they carry a Bible in one hand and a notepad and a red pen in the other hand. This has happened in the church throughout time. I want you to listen to these words that were written to a minister. Okay, listen. There are several reasons I oppose these new songs. They're too new, 
They are worldly. This new music is not as pleasant as the more established style. They put too much emphasis on instruments than godly lyrics. Oh, this was written to Isaac Watts in 1723 as he released his brand new songs, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross and Joy to the World. (laughs) It's nothing new. There are people who come to church to evaluate. There are worship spectators who simply fail to recognize the sacredness of the moment that we're sharing. There are participants who sing and clap. They participate, but their thinking is elsewhere. Instead of being a consumer, an evaluator, a spectator, a participant, be a worshiper. Who are people who truly know God and respond from the heart with reverence and awe by treasuring and enjoying God and being satisfied in Him above all other things. That's a worshiper. Four, we embrace and obey Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, 2 Timothy 3.16. We've got to remain keenly aware of our need to continuously increase in our understanding of Scripture. But let me put you at ease. Will you ever fully understand the Word of God? Nope. It's too vast. It's too brilliant. It's mysterious. But that doesn't mean that we don't submit and try Give our time and intention every single day to learn more about the Word of God. We don't just study the Bible for information, but we also believe that we receive transformation, right? Scripture is living and active. We love the teaching and training of the Bible, but we also must welcome the rebuking and the correcting. I'll say that again. We love the teaching and training, but we also must welcome the rebuking And the correcting. Number five, we revere, I should have stuck to three, Dave. We revere the sacraments. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 19. And he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Luke 22, 19. We regularly perform these sacraments as visible signs of the gospel in the life of our church. Six, we are united. Paul says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do you know that the unified life of the Trinity itself is manifested among God's people who live in unity together? When we live in unity with one another We are simply following the model of Father, Son, and Spirit. As we fellowship, we remain united on theological issues, but we have to control ourselves and focus by majoring on the majors and minoring on the minors. As God's people, we don't get in a room together and intentionally try to turn these little molehills into mountains that divide us. I read a story this week about a church's leadership team that met not one time, but two whole meetings and had heated arguments about what weed eater the church should purchase. Think about that. I assume these are grown-ups. 
So I want unity. I'll fight for unity. But if anyone here wants to fight me about a weed eater, I'm out. I'll give you the win. Seven, we are disciplined for holiness. Train yourselves to be godly. 1 Timothy 4, 7. One way that we preserve our fellowship is by resisting the pressure to be worldly. Do you remember as a child when you threw a crayon across your classroom and you hit a kid and when you came home you realized that the teacher had already called mom or dad and mom and dad sit you down and say, why did you throw that crayon? What did you say? Because Johnny told me to. Right? And then what do mom and dad say after that? You know this. If Johnny told you to jump off a bridge, (laughs) would you do it? And as a kid, you're sitting there thinking of all the reasons that jumping off a bridge is a good idea, right? Because we don't want to be corrected right now, throwing our crayon. Just because the world's telling you to live worldly, you don't have to. I'm trying to give you that permission right now. Trying to remind you of that freedom that you have from the mold of the world. You have to live in this world, but you're not of this world. This is not our home. The Bible calls you an alien. The Bible calls you a foreigner in this land. We live here and we're constantly tempted to live like the world. Advertisements, peer pressure, comparison with others. You need to purchase that. You need to purchase this. You need to party here. You need to dress like this. You need to cheat your way to the top. You need to raise your kids this way. No, you don't. You don't. You don't have to live a worldly way. So we stay disciplined for holiness. Eight, we love our neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mark 12, 31. Now there is some importance here of creating healthy boundaries. Someone said love your neighbor as yourself but that doesn't mean you have to take down your fence. (laughs) Whether your neighbor is a believer or not, we love them as an overflow of God's love to us. Do you know many people join the fellowship of believers not because of a great evangelist and not because of a crusade and not because somebody bought them a great Christian book? A lot of people join the fellowship of believers because somebody loved them really, really well. When you love your neighbor, look at your love as an extending an invitation to them to belong to something wonderful that you belong to. Number nine, we have reached number nine. We are on a mission. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Part of the reason the church in Acts chapter 2 was growing so rapidly is because believers took Jesus' command seriously. You will receive power when my spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Well, we're here today because they witnessed. Who needs to be a part of this fellowship tomorrow because you witnessed? Um, Ray Comfort wrote this, if you're not concerned about your neighbor's salvation, then I'm concerned for yours. I didn't say that. Ray did. Friends, ambassadors have noteworthy reputations and character. They lead with love and not facts. And they stay ready 
at all times to share the story of Jesus. To be an ambassador is to understand that the mission of Jesus Christ did not stop with us. Let me close with this. To be a fellowship of believers is impossible without the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we act like old sinners and not new creations. Without the Holy Spirit, we disrespect and gossip about church leadership. Without the Holy Spirit, we worship our preferences. Instead of worship God, we worship worship. Did you hear that? We can actually worship worship instead of worshiping God. Without the Holy Spirit, we look at the Bible as optional, and we interpret it in whatever way we choose. Without the Holy Spirit, we lose our sense of wonder and awe when it comes to the sacraments. Without the Holy Spirit, we fight over the dumbest things. Without the Holy Spirit, we profess Christ with our mouths, but then deny Him with our actions. Without the Holy Spirit, we fail to prioritize our neighbors. And without the Holy Spirit, we lose sight of our mission. It all comes back to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to do all of the heavy lifting. Just asking you to obey, to follow. The Holy Spirit is the spark plug that makes all this happen. Which is why we preached a few weeks ago about this affirmation of our conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. As we rely on Him, we get to enjoy the beauty that follows. Because of the Holy Spirit, we get to live life together as a fellowship of believers. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for enabling us and empowering us for training us and guiding us and correcting us and rebuking us so that we can lean in as best as we know how to this mysterious gift called the church which has always had its flaws and its beauty. We want you to be pleased in the way that we rely on you so that we too can experience what generations before us have called the church. We thank you for the privilege of being a part of this fellowship of believers, for your glory and for our neighbor's good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we stand and worship? Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church Podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.